So, welcome back to One Murder at a Time. I'm Magic Man, and this is El Diablo. <laughs> Sorry. And together we're Shake and B- <laughs> <laughs> nice. Sorry, we just, I just, yeah. Anyhow. So, no, um, I'm Mandy, and I'm here with Tracy, her sister. So, so, yeah, so how's this week been for you? It hasn't been great. No, it's not been a good week, honestly. Um, although one good thing did come, we have no longer have a mask mandate. Yep. So as of midnight last night. Yeah. So if you're vaccinated, which we are, um, burn your masks, (laughs) (laughs) mask burning party. Well, who knows? We'll probably need them again at some point. You better hang on for the next next epidemic. But, um, yeah, so that's (laughs) (laughs) fun times. Yeah. So, I was reading, um, you know, we like the BuzzFeed, like, articles and quizzes and all that jazz. Yeah. So, okay, TV shows that were good from start to finish. Like, they may have not had a, like... Like, they could have had a couple, maybe one or two at the most down seasons, but we're but still... But still good seasons. They yeah. weren't, like, a crap, you know, where you just quit watching it. Now, yeah, because there have been shows that's, that's happened where, yeah. like, it was like, okay, I've lost total interest in this and I'm not going back. Yeah. Um, well, we can start with Buffy. We like to talk about Buffy. Buffy was definitely good from start to finish. Yeah. Season four was a lackluster season. And six. Six, yeah, six wasn't as great, but, but there were some really good episodes, though, in season four. Like, there were. The there Gentleman, were. the Hush episode was really good. Yeah. And, um. I would say Friday Night Lights. Oh, yeah. Tim Riggins. It was an awesome show. And I ended up a Riggins. Just I'm, saying. I always knew I'd end up a Riggins. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, it was good from start to finish. It was. Because even after, like, the original group of kids, you know, kind of moved on. I mean, they kept them recurring. But when they brought the new group in, when they, you know, went to East Dillon, it still was good. They still had good characters. They still... Mm-hmm. It was just a good show. It was well written. Actually, that show is one that... I feel like was almost real. Like you could go into any rural town and you could find this exact scenario. Yeah. Basically, yeah. It was just it was just a well done show. Yeah. It was just good. It sh- it should have had more seasons. Yeah. I mean, it really that should've. is one that should have had more seasons. Yeah. Because some of those overlap ones that when ones that were perfect from beginning to end and ones that ended too soon. Yeah. So Friday Night Lights definitely crosses over on that one. Yeah. But Parenthood. Mm-hmm. Also, and that was by the same guy, right? Peter yeah. Berg. <laughs> you remember thing we watched on him? That yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what did he keep saying? Do you remember something about El Dorado? Yeah, El Dorado. El Dorado. <laughs> El Dorado. Yeah, but no, the way they he he writes and directs and everything, people talking over each other and everything, it just seems very real. And so I think that's why those shows kind of resonated. <laughs> what was that? <laughs> That was my refrigerator. Sorry. <laughs> it sounded like a door slowly I was opening. Like, oh, it's getting creepy already. <laughs> so, I'm going to bail on this. <laughs> well, we're done with this podcast. No, Parenthood, though, it was a good show. I enjoyed that. It had amazing actors. Mm-hmm. The storylines were good. Mm-hmm. I think it could have gone a couple more, too, mm-hmm. and been. It was a good show. But I really like Lauren Graham. I like yeah, her a she's lot. Fabulous. Speaking of, I want to throw this in real quick since we're talking about shows. All right, so I've been watching the Mighty Ducks 
oh, yeah. game changers. Yeah. I love this show. I think it's just so, it's, it's good. Cute. It's more like a PG version of Cobra Kai. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. I read somewhere that this was Disney's response to Cobra Kai. Well, that makes sense. The nostalgia. Yeah. And it was, I'm enjoying it. And, you know, Lauren Graham, I love her. Mm-hmm. So, anyhow, another one that was good from start to finish, in my opinion, Justified. Justified. I love that show. Mm-hmm. It was so good. The character, like, I honestly think Raylan is probably one of my favorite TV characters ever. If you have not watched Justified, you need to go on Hulu. One your, yeah, one of your streaming services and binge it. It's my parents have already binged it like three times. So it's very, very good. You should watch it. Season two, I'll put it up against just about anything. It was very, very good. That was That's a good show. Yeah. 24. 24. And not after you they can, did the reboot. No, this is the Kiefer Sutherland. Yeah, the 24, original 24. Which I didn't mind the reboot, actually. I know it got kind of panned, but I actually didn't think it was that bad. But yes, the Kiefer Sutherland, yes, another... One of my favorite TV characters ever, Jack Bauer. Loved it. Loved it. Mm-hmm. It was just good. Just good. I Also, season three of 24 and season five. Season five was the one with President Logan. Oh, yeah. But Logan. Season three was the one where they were going to release the chemical agent and they had all the people in the hotel. Hotel, yeah. Uh, that was a really good season. good stuff. The Following. Yes. That was a good show. With Kevin Bacon. I love Kevin Bacon. That was a fabulous show. And I remember watching that, and every time that it would come on, the um, the guy that played Joe, mm-hmm. I can't think of his name right now, but he would live tweet during every... Oh, yeah. And so I would try to get him. I would go on Twitter, <laughs> and I would try to get him. I would say all these things. I'm like, oh, he's going to respond to this. Yeah. And he never did, but it was fabulous. <laughs> and Yeah, so that was a really good show that could it have was, gone on for Actually, that was a really dark show. It like was super dark. Super dark. Like... It was great, and I enjoyed it. It creeped Gosh, me out. It got like, damn. You didn't know who was, I mean, because everybody was a follower. Pretty much. It was. They did some dark stuff. That was, But it was, it was a really good show. And I think it was ended too soon. Yeah. I think it easily could have had another couple of seasons, in my opinion. Yeah. But another, we were talking about shows that should have more seasons. Um, I think... Santa Clarita Diet. We had talked about this one. Yeah. That was such a funny show. I was a bit hesitant to watch that show because it's gross. It was super gross. Uh, but Paul had started watching it, and I ended up watching it with him, and it, it was it was pretty good. Well, it kind of leaves you hanging, and I'm like... Well, I don't think they knew that it was ending when they okay. filmed it. Well, that makes sense, because yeah. they uh, totally left you hanging. And of course, you know, Drew Barrymore was... Fantastic. I have a soft spot for Drew Barrymore. Yeah, I think everyone does, honestly. She did well. She did well for herself. (laughs) Well, you know, she went through her crazy wild times and came out on the other side. You kind of root for... She she just seems like a a nice person that, you know, you can have fun with. Yeah. But yeah, that was a a good show, though. I enjoyed it. I mean, I thought it was smart. Shits Creek. Shits Creek. Was good okay. from start to finish. Now, I want to put this out there. We were Shits Creek fans before it Before blew it became up. popular. Yes, yeah. we were. Because, I mean, we were watching it when, like, literally nobody you knew really yeah. was watching it. So, yeah. I, I think before we Before it won credit. all the accolades and yes. all that. Yeah. So, I want. I think we deserve some credit for that. Yeah. Now, you have to have a certain type of... <laughs> it is a certain type of humor for that show. Yeah. Paul hated it. My, my, Chris hated it, too. Like, he at fr- he liked it at first, but I think he just kind of got tired of it. Yeah, Paul did, too. But I think it's hilarious. But I think you're a little bit Alexis. <laughs> 
honestly, she was perfect for that. Like, yeah. she played that so well. She was so shallow and sh- so, you know, materialistic, but mm-hmm. she played it in a way that you just liked her. You did like her. And that's hard to do yeah. with somebody that, you know, is so shallow, but it was just the way she would have it come across. Mm-hmm. It just, it worked. Yeah. She was perfect. That was a good so, so watch that one, too. It, it's yeah. entertaining. Yeah. One other show I'm going to mention real quick that was canceled, I think, that people should have given more chance, more of a chance, was The Life in Pieces. Yes. That was such a smart show. It was so funny. It, oh my gosh, it was so funny. It really was. And if you actually watched it, it was just a really smart, funny show. And I think that if more people had seen it, that yeah, it would, would have lasted longer. It, it had a good cast, too. It did. And I mean, it was just funny. Yeah. It was really good. And I think the new one, Home Economics, is along the same they're trying to be along the same it's got the same formula yeah i mean even you can kind of match the characters Mm -hmm. to yeah and it's got topher grace so i'm all about that (laughs) so i guess we should get started i guess so all right so this is episode five we actually had a couple listeners suggest this one to us a while back Mm -hmm. so we thought we would do this this is actually an unsolved well and that's you know we had talked about whether we were going to do unsolved cases or not because we don't want to, like, make assumptions or anything like that since it's an ongoing investigation. But, right. you know, basically in these situations with the unsolved ones, we're just going to say this is what is out there and what we know. We can't really, yeah. you know, draw any conclusions. We can't, you know, this is it. Basically just present this is what, you know, is out there. We just kind of hope to uh, shed some light on it, you know, so it stays... Uh, in people's minds so in case you know anything does come up where oh well i may have remembered something or a family member may remembered something you know that maybe we can help in these cases these right. unsolved murders well i mean th- these people deserve justice they mm-hmm. deserve to have you know whoever did this needs to be brought forward and needs to answer for their crime so yeah this one is the michael mary and jennifer short murders this was August of 2002. So the Short family lived in the small area of Bassett, which is in Henry County, Virginia. Uh, Bassett's a small community of a little over 1,000 people. Uh, it's located on the Smith River, and it's about 30 to 40 miles north of the uh, North Carolina state line. It's uh, near Martinsville. Yeah, yeah. The Micropolitan, I think is what they call it. Mm-hmm. People may know of Martinsville because of the speedway. The if you're into NASCAR, that yeah. may ring a bell. So, um, Michael, Mary, and their daughter Jennifer, they lived on U.S. Route 220, which is a north-south highway. It, it, it's highly trafficked, too. It, it's a pretty busy highway that mm-hmm. connects Martinsville with uh, other areas. Um, Michael Wayne Short, he was born on February 18, 1952, and he was 50 at the time um, that we're going to be talking about. He, along with his wife, they were the co-owners of a mobile home moving company called M&S Mobile Home Movers. And Mary, his wife, um, was a bit younger than him. Mm-hmm. She was 36. Yep. And they had one daughter, Jennifer. She was nine years old at the time. Mm-hmm. Now, Michael had three sons from a previous relationship, uh, Kenny and Tim, and I think they lived around the area, mm-hmm. maybe not in Bassett, but around the Martinsville area at the time. And MJ, uh, who was, I think he's from Roanoke, or he lives in the Roanoke area. Mm-hmm. Like we said, there was kind of an age difference between Michael and Mary, so 
they were a lot older than Jennifer. So, you know, they had already moved out and, right. you know, have families of their own and everything like that. Jennifer was born July 12th, 1993. She was an upcoming fourth grader at Figsboro Elementary School. She was described in um, some articles with her aunt and her stepsister-in-law as a fun-loving child who was very outgoing. She was super smart. She loved her friends and family and was remarkably close with both of her parents. She also loved to play softball. Mm-hmm. Um, it was said that her parents never missed a game unless, you know, something came up. But right. um, they, they were very involved in their daughter's life. So actually during this time in August of 2002, the Short Family Home, which was a, a brick ranch-style house, it was up for sale. Right. Michael and Mary had planned to move to South Carolina I think around the beach area, mm-hmm. um, actually by the end of the month in August. So uh, investigators said that the house was kept in a pristine condition. That way it could be shown to any potential buyers at any given time. Mm-hmm. So um, Mary kept a very clean house. So on August 14th, um, Michael had reportedly been working with one of his employees on one of the business trucks. And that same day, it was also reported that M- Michael and Mary had attended one of Jennifer's softball games. Jennifer had also been seen on a surveillance camera at a convenience store near her house. Uh, She went in there a lot to get drinks Mm -hmm. and candy and stuff like that. So after the softball game, Michael and Mary were, and Jennifer, were seen eating dinner at a Burger King in Collinsville, which is also in that area. It's all these little bitty towns, Mm -hmm. which is a part of the same county. And that was actually the last known time that anybody had seen them alive. So we're at August 15th, 2002. Um... One of Michael's employees was driving by the house and happened to notice that Michael's truck was still in the driveway, which was odd because he's normally out and about already by this time. So he goes to the house and um, goes in and finds Michael with a gunshot wound to the head. And he was laying on the couch in what basically was like an enclosed garage. Yeah. And so he immediately calls the police, and the police come and search the house. And in her bedroom, they find Mary with a single gunshot wound to her head as well. And in Jennifer's room, her bed has been pulled back, but she is missing. So the search is on for Jennifer. They don't know what's happened to her. So they issue an Amber Alert. And then upon the um, investigation of the crime scene, they do find that there's no evidence of a burglary and that the phone line to the house has been cut. And I did read that it was just the phone line. And apparently there were several lines coming in at the same place. Mm -hmm. And whoever cut it knew exactly which one was the phone line. So... That's the only one that they cut. That's interesting. I, d- I hadn't read that. I didn't know that. That That's that's interesting. Yeah. And so also whoever did it, you know, they had, would had to have a specific tool. Yeah. So, um, you know, this was obviously something that was planned. Yeah. It wasn't just, you know, well, random. Because they said that um, they've been a little cagey mm-hmm. about what they've released in this case um but they did say that they found uh 22 caliber shells in the house a shotgun a rifle uh 600 approximately in cash and uh, like a book of blank checks so it obviously was not a, a robbery. robbery yeah the house wasn't ransacked or anything like Cause that. she was keeping it clean because they were right you know trying to sell it and everything like that right so i don't know um people can speculate about what they think but just from what I've read on it, it, it sounds like somebody may have been watching them and mm-hmm. was maybe obsessed with 
Well, and there's Jennifer. well, that was going to say there's actually been some talk about who was actually the target here. Yeah, like was it Michael? Was it? T- people tend to either think it was Michael or Jennifer. Like, yeah. there's not a whole lot of speculation that Mary was the target. Actually, I did read one thing. Well, but yeah, but they kind of—I no. know what you're talking about. That she had a stalker years ago. This At, was like a long time where she worked. It was over ten years. I was thinking it was like thirteen years before. Yeah, where she worked, but that nothing really came of that. And I, I think that more people lean toward it was either Michael or Jennifer. Well. It, <sighs> Michael and Mary were both shot execution style. Right. So that that's pretty personal in itself. I mean, they didn't, as far as we know, like we said, it's been kind of limited on what the police have released uh, in this one, that they didn't have any kind of defensive wound. So, I mean, Mary was probably shot in her sleep, and I don't know if... Uh, what you wonder, too, in a situation like this, you know, if somebody comes in, they go in the enclosed garage, and they shoot Michael. Unless you use some kind of noise reduction i mean wouldn't the other people in the house hear it well i it says she was in the bedroom it didn't say it didn't say she was actually in the bed from what i read i I think she was on the bed but she may have been getting up that may have woke her up Mm -hmm. um i I don't know and uh being shot execution style is is a little telling too as to whether it was well somebody was on a mission yeah i mean and here's the here's the thing about that too you know if somebody just um I don't know. If somebody was going after, say, Michael, why would they take Jennifer? Yeah. Like, you don't understand, like, the thinking behind that. Because they're not asking for ransom, obviously, because they've killed the two people that would pay the ransom, most likely. Well, and two, the fact that he he was probably shot first, from all accounts. I mean, I would assume that he was shot first. If they were after him, that would have been it. Right. There would have been no need to go after her, because... Or after Mary, because she was apparently still in her room, hadn't mm-hmm. seen anybody, um, and there was no need to take Jennifer, like you said, if if it was about him. Right. But um, that's just a theory. I mean, it's just something to think about, because we don't know. Right. And like I said, you know, I've read um, news articles and things like that, that it it's not really known for sure. I think at this point they are leaning more towards that Jennifer was the target. Well, that's what makes the most sense because the phone line was cut and they Mary and Michael were killed instantly. I mean, there was no tying them up or anything like that. They made sure they were going to get out there with Jennifer. Mm-hmm. And that's a scary thought. And I'm sure as a parent, I'm not a parent, but you know, I have nieces and nephews. The, the thought of somebody possibly watching you just to learn your routines and mm-hmm. watching your kids to see, you know, what schools they go to, what activities they're in after school, you know, ways probably that they can also, weave themselves into their lives. It's it, it's a creepy thing to think about. Well, probably also things like what time you can normally go to bed yeah. so that they know when to come in the house when people will be asleep. You know, because people have different work schedules and yeah. things like that. So you don't really know unless yeah. you actually watch and see, you know. And this was a busy highway. Yeah. Like, it, it's not out in the you know middle of nowhere. No, if, if you pull it up on Google Maps, it's right on US 220. And I mean, it's... It's right. I mean, it, it's a huge populated area. Like, there's there's houses near them and everything. It, it's loud there. I mean, it's not like they were out in the middle of nowhere. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it, it's just a, it, it's very creepy to think about. That, right. You know, you could be being watched and, or your kid especially being watched and you have no idea about it. Right. It's just 
kind of a reminder to always be vigilant. And yeah. if you notice that you ever see the same vehicle or the same person mm-hmm. that you don't really know, you might want to yeah. keep an eye out. But Jennifer um, is gone and everyone is trying to find her. On September 4th, they exhume Michael's body. And this kind of ties into what you were talking about earlier. They actually did a paternity test because there was um, speculation, rumors, whatever you want to call it, that Jennifer was not Michael's daughter. Mm -hmm. So they actually exhumed his body and did a DNA test. And he was her father. There's Mm -hmm. no doubt. So they don't think that there's anything like that going on here. Playing into that. Right. So they just wanted, I guess, to clear that and make sure. Right. Um, So that was um, September 4th. And so... Can we go back a second? Yeah. To... um, So they had the double funeral for Michael and Mary on August 23rd. Mm -hmm. And investigators actually filmed Mm -hmm. the funeral because they thought they might be able to catch somebody acting odd or, you know, any telling signs that may point to somebody who knew them as being the killer and everything like that. But after they've watched... I mean, they had several hours of videotape to go through and they didn't find anything. Nothing panned out on that. And it's actually very sad. I was reading the obituary for them, mm-hmm. and it says they're survived by their daughter, Jennifer. Right. Because they, they didn't know, they didn't at, the know time. at the time. And I, I think that's very sad. Mm-hmm. And that the, you can see how much her aunts and her brothers and their wives and everything were, were hold, holding out hope that she was going to be found alive. So that kind of broke my heart reading that. But um, Right. Um, so Jennifer is still missing. They said that they had spent two weeks, like right after the murder, they had spent two weeks inside the short house collecting evidence. Mm -hmm. And I read one report that they had taken over a thousand pieces of evidence out of the short home. Mm -hmm. And and the same investigator, I can't, I didn't write down his name and I apologize for that, but uh, he had said that on a normal case, you get maybe 50 to 150 pieces of evidence. Mm Mm-hmm out of a house, you know, in these kind of circumstances. And they took over a thousand pieces of evidence out of this house. And nobody knows what this evidence is. They, they've never released anything in this case, really, about right. what was actually taken from the house or if it's pointed to anything. Nobody has come forward with that. Right. So, yeah, that's a little strange. But, you know, we'll also dive more into this. You know, there were some things going on in the sheriff's department at the time that, you know questionable yeah so we'll get into that in a little bit so basically um they find jennifer's body on september 25th um they actually find her remains in stoneville north carolina and it was on um a private property the people had actually seen parts of her they didn't know what it was at first and so you know they had actually known for a couple days it wasn't until um they started to put things together and they called the police and they came out and found the one the woman who uh actually i saw an interview with her her dad was the one who owned Mm -hmm. the property um her son used to go out mow for his grandfather and everything like that and he had found a child's shoe Mm mm-hmm and he had also found what he thought was a wig. Yeah. And, um, you know, they're out on in the middle of nowhere, basically. And they uh, he thought people just littered and stuff like that. And uh, then, I think it was two days later, his grandfather, the owner of the property, his dog had started playing with what he thought was a tortoise shell, like mm-hmm. a turtle shell. And um, then he got to look at it and was like, well, that 
that looks weird. And so he called a buddy of his who was with the uh, police department. Mm-hmm. And he came out and he said, that's, that's, not, that's not a turtle shell. That's, that's a human skull. Mm-hmm. And so that's when, you know, the police come out. And she said that the number of flags, that evidence flags that were placed around his property was unreal. Like mm-hmm. there was hardly a spot where there wasn't a flag that mm-hmm. indicated either her clothing or, you know, part of her body or anything like that. And so it was determined that that was the body of Jennifer. Right. So at this point, they know that Jennifer was not going to be found alive. Looking for something to get your kids active and out of the house after a year of being trapped inside? Elite School of Dance in Dublin, Virginia will begin new classes in June. Elite offers multiple age groups in ballet, tap, jazz, clogging, hip-hop, and additional classes for those with special needs. Adult classes are also available. For our listeners, mention you heard about Elite School of Dance on our podcast and get 10% off your first month. Check them out at EliteDanceAndArts.com or for more information, email them at EliteDanceAndArts at gmail.com. Elite School of Dance is committed to sharing the performing arts with those in the New River Valley. So, um, Jennifer's, you know, remains were found. So you can imagine how the family must have felt at this point because they were holding out so much hope that she would be found alive and that, you know, they could bring her home. And so this obviously was a huge disappointment and just incredibly heartbreaking. Oh, yeah. She's nine years old and who knows, you know, because they... Couldn't do a real autopsy because the body was so badly decomposed and, you know, the elements and things like that. It, it just wasn't possible. It was a really hot summer yeah. that year in and, North Carolina. And it was out, you know, in a wooded area where animals and things like that. So they weren't able to really, or they haven't released any cause of death. So that, you know... Is not known. That's tragic. It is. It's very, it's, like I said, it breaks your heart. And especially, it's horrible any for anybody to have to go through this. Mm-hmm. But especially when you think about a nine-year-old girl just, you know, well, playing you, softball and all that. Seeing the pictures of her, too. She mm-hmm. just looked like she was just a happy, happy kid. Yeah. And it, it, it just breaks your heart. And you can't imagine the pain that the family has to go through. There was one person of interest that they questioned in this case. And there were some, you know, suspicious things with it. He was a 60-year-old man who, um, his name was Garrison Bowman. He has since passed, supposedly. He had hired um, Michael's moving company to move a mobile home for him. Mm -hmm. And supposedly he had paid Michael and they hadn't done it yet. He had said to his landlord you know, that if he didn't get down there and move it, that he basically was threatening Michael. The landlord also said that Garrison had a false bottom in his van. That's weird. I don't know if this is true. Um, They haven't, you know, I don't know that that they ever determined that, to be honest with you. Another really weird thing. Why would you have a false bottom in your van? Exactly. They also said that he moved to Canada this day after the murders. Yeah, that's suspect. He, I mean, the day after. I mean, that is a huge coincidence. Yeah. Another huge coincidence, he leased a home about a mile from where her remains were found. Hmm. 
And so here, that's two pretty big coincidences. But they brought him in, right? They did. They brought him in and talked to him. Because he, he, he had he, gone to Canada, right? And the day after the murder, and they said he moved that to Canada. Yeah, they said that um, they got him brought back because he didn't disclose that he had like a DWI or something right. like that. To, so they had him deported. They had him deported mm-hmm. out of Canada. So, but I mean, how big of what? How did they determine that he had nothing to do with it? They brought him before a grand jury. But the grand jury did not issue an indictment. So they didn't find enough. They didn't have enough evidence, supposedly. But there's been questions about the landlord's statement because of the situation with them. The landlord said that he had pulled a gun on him. Like a rifle? They didn't... I didn't read what type of gun. But they're saying his... You know, statements may not be credible because there was a bad relationship between them and that he was trying... But why... I mean... Her remains were found a mile from where he leased the home, and he went to Canada the day after the murders. I mean, that just seems like a you know two really big things. I, w- I would like to see how, how well, they determined how they, that, like, that he ruled had, him out. Yeah, how he was ruled out. Like, was I mean, did he have an alibi for the night, or did you know? I didn't read anything about that, but that's that's weird. Yeah, but like I said, he has since passed away. I may go back and see if I can find any... In, and I read a lot about this, and I never saw what they actually used to rule him out. And they may not have released it. I don't know. I, they did bring him before the grand jury, though, so... Huh. Well, to bring him before the grand jury, that means that they have suspicion enough, right? Suspicion, yeah. But the, the grand jury determines if there's enough evidence to, to take, take him to, to trial. trial, so... Interesting. And they didn't find that they did, so... The now and the interviews I watched with the um family members said that they never believed that he was the one that did this. Oh, really? Yeah. I don't know why they believe that, but they, they, I think they were just going by the appearance of him because he looked like a frail older like he was 60 but he looked older. Yeah. I don't know. It's just strange that he lived a mile from where the remain I mean who would know enough to plant that? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That's just... I don't know. That That's weird circumstances. But like I, like I said, we're not professionals and we're not, you know... So they may can know, make up their own mind about that. Right. <laughs> they, they know more than we do, I'm sure. Yeah. That, and, you know, I'm sure they had a good reason to not pursue it. Well, that's interesting. Uh, I'd like to see what comes of that. But then um, September 30th of 2003, they did exhumed jennifer's remains as well but no new information was released about that like i don't know if it was to get more dna samples or what but there was nothing new that came from that actually in february of 2019 it was february 20th the short family home that was for sale where the murders occurred burned down i read that and i think that's super strange it is because it was either michael or mary's sister because it was jennifer's aunt she had said that there was absolutely no power going to the house Mm -hmm. so it wouldn't have been an electrical fire so it had to be something that was started on purpose it had to be arson i find that odd Mm -hmm. well it could be though if the house had set long enough you don't know who went in it could have been yeah yeah it could have been just kids kids, going in and leaving just vandalizing just to be going in and smoking and leaving something you know not put out you don't know it could be a lot of things but it is strange you know that it's that why do we always have these cases where the homes burn down i know tara muncie's tara muncie's burned down this one burned down didn't we have another one well regardless i mean it's kind of strange yeah but 
So also during this time, we kind of mentioned this, there was a little bit of corruption in the sheriff's office. Um, at Well, I mean, there's cri- criminal activity actually going on. Yeah, um, yeah. The sheriff and 12 of his deputies were charged with dealing cocaine, marijuana, and ketamine. So This was a big deal. It was a huge deal. Yeah. I actually read a quote from someone that said this was like an HBO show with what was going on, yeah. you know? So you got to wonder what type of investigation they were actually getting. The lead investigator, though, in the short... He was, he was not a part of the ones who were arrested or was even implicated. Was he even with the sheriff's department, though? He may not have actually been with the sheriff's department. I don't know, because they brought in, like... Yeah. FBI was involved right. in this and everything. The state police. Yeah. So, I mean, this was just on the sheriff's department side that mm-hmm. this was going on. Um, but it does kind of make you wonder, you know... Yeah. It makes you lose your your trust i guess in in the sheriff's department and wondering if they are able to do their jobs well enough to conduct an investigation on a murder case like this exactly you know if they're out pushing cocaine and all this stuff in their community you know that they're having to police then you know you got to wonder about their capabilities and you know they are actually in with the criminals you know what i'm saying the people that they are supposed to be arresting are the people that they're actually dealing with yeah so i mean that's you do that's have corruption. It, it does make Absolute you wonder corruption. it's like how far did the corruption go yeah did it contribute to maybe a botched investigation on this you don't yeah. know yeah some witnesses said that they saw an unknown male parked near the short house which on u.s highway 220 that we talked about in the early morning hours of the 15th which is the day their bodies were found mm-hmm. um this is I, I thought this was significant because the town is so small that somebody would have noticed an out-of-towner, mm-hmm. you know, like a thousand people. You're going to notice a vehicle that does not belong on your road or right. like in your neighborhood or whatever. But several people reported him and they said that he was reported to have a weathered complexion, um, possibly in his 40s, and driving a 1998 to 2002 white single cab two-ton flatbed truck with wooden rails. And there's actually a composite sketch done of mm-hmm. him and the truck. And we'll post that on our website at onemurderatatime.com so you can check that out. Like it had been in some of the reports, too. This would have been an odd vehicle to kidnap right. a, a child in because mm-hmm. it does kind of stand out. Mm-hmm. Um, so It may be nothing. It may be nothing. The guy may have just been broke down or, you know... Anything like that. Or, or like we said, this was a busy highway. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, going through the area and just stopped. I mean, because it is odd. Like, if you were going to kidnap somebody, you wouldn't think, you know, you would take something that people are going to notice. Yeah. You're going to try to blend in. But maybe this guy saw something, you know? Yeah. Maybe if he doesn't realize he saw something, but maybe if, you know, somebody knows this person, you know, maybe Mm -hmm. that... Oh, I did see this. Might have an insig- something he thinks is insignificant yeah. that would actually lead to, you know. So he's not a suspect or even a person of interest. He's somebody that, you know, they just like to talk to to see if, you know, he knows something. Maybe, yeah. Maybe so, can help. But there's an FBI tip line. If you or anybody you know knows anything about the short murders, call the tip line at one 800 225 5324. And on our website at com, you can click the episode guide on the front page and it'll take you to all this information that we'll have posted. And that one was suggested to us by a couple of our listeners. So we appreciate that. Like I said, we were a little unsure about doing unsolved cases, but uh, 
we thought if we could shine any light onto something and maybe help out where we can, that's one of the reasons we want to do this. So uh, we do appreciate that suggestion. Yeah. So hopefully they'll eventually know what happened with this. Mary and Michael and Jennifer can all rest easy. Yep. Get the justice they deserve. Mm-hmm. Okay, we're actually going to give you two unsolved murders in this one. This was in 2009, and this is the unsolved murders of David Metzler and Heidi Childs, uh, 2009 Virginia Tech students who were murdered. Heidi, she had the nickname of Smiley because she had a beautiful smile. She was one of eight children. She was very interested in her studies. She loved sports. Outdoor activities like camping and hiking, skiing, and uh, she was a very devout Christian. Um, she went on many missions trips and was a member of her church's praise and worship team. Uh, David Metzler, he was the only son of Keith and Susan Metzler. He had three sisters, so I'm sure he was spoiled as the, <laughs> as the only son. Probably so. He enjoyed golf, watching football, and playing music. Uh, he primarily played the guitar. He was described by family and friends as a respectful young man. He uh, worked very hard. He had several, like, odd jobs, you know, while he was in school and everything. Uh, He loved his family very much. He loved to spend time with his dad. They would go on hunting trips. And it was said that he was very tender and protective with his mother, which I thought was very sweet. Mm -hmm. Um, He also was a devout Christian, and uh, he led a Bible study group for students at Virginia Tech. Right, and so they were both sophomores at the time, right? David had graduated from Brookville High School in Campbell County, and Heidi was homeschooled in Forest, which is in the Bedford area. Mm -hmm. They had actually met in their church's youth group, and like we said, they both were into music and everything, so they were both part of that praise and worship team. David was an industrial systems engineer major, and Heidi was a—she was majoring in biochemistry, but uh, she had, during the summer, she had had— got the opportunity to shadow a doctor doing a procedure, and uh, she had planned to change her major to pre-med, which was according to her father. Mm-hmm. That was something she was pretty excited about. Yeah, I actually read that she had called her mother to tell her, and this was the last conversation her mother had with her, she would called her specifically to tell her that she was going to change her major, and they were really excited about it. That's sad. Mm-hmm. But, it just breaks your heart. So like we said, they were both into music, and... Um, she was getting ready to change her major, and this is something that her and David wanted to talk about. Because mm-hmm. their families, from things that I read, they always assumed that they would get married. Right. That, um, you know, so I guess this is something they wanted to discuss together. So on the night of August 26, it was a very warm night uh, in the New River Valley of Virginia, and David and Heidi decided to go to the Caldwell Fields area, which is um, about 12 to 15 miles off campus of Virginia Tech. Yeah, it was actually in the Jefferson National Mm -hmm. Forest. Mm -hmm. And that actually borders Montgomery County and Craig County. Montgomery County is where Virginia Tech's located. Mm -hmm. But they were going to go out there, and uh, David had taken his guitar, and they were just going to play music and talk about, you know, her switching to pre-med and all that. And they actually knew about this place because David had attended a a retreat there. Yeah. And so he had been there before and knew exactly where he was going, you know, and he wanted to take Heidi there to show her and they could have their conversation and all that. Yeah. Like we said, it wasn't late uh, and it was in still in the summer hours. So, you know, it gets gets dark later. And this was around 825, Mm -hmm. between 820, 825. 
Um, Actually, you know, this time of year, it doesn't really get dark till 9 o'clock. Well, I'd read one report that said she wanted to see the sun go down there. Mm. So, I mean, it, it was getting to that time right. where it was going to start getting dark. Mm-hmm. There's really not a whole lot of information in this case, unfortunately. But authorities believe that they arrived at Caldwell Fields around 825. And somewhere between their arrival and 10 p.m., David was shot through the window. Of, he was in, they were in his 1992 Toyota. And he was shot through the driver's side window with a thirty caliber rifle. Several reports I read, too, said that they don't even think they made it out of the vehicle at all. That mm-hmm. it happened pretty much when they got there. Right. But um, Heidi is believed to have exited the car to perhaps run for help or, you know, try, try to, get, to a, get away. Yeah. And she was killed with the same rifle. Her purse, along with her license, her Virginia Tech student ID with a lanyard, her credit card, and a cell phone were also stolen from the scene. Makes you wonder, you know, if people saying that they there's a theory that they've never even exited the car. They were basically shot as soon as they got there. Did they drive up on something? I don't know. You know, did they pull up and see something somebody didn't want them to see? You know, it kind of makes you wonder about that. But um, also, you know, with her having the cell phone, it makes you wonder too, like how if they were if they were ever able to like track any location where the cell phone was taken. Yeah. Because uh, I never, I didn't read anything about that. But if the cell phone was on, mm-hmm. you know, and the person took it, you know, maybe they could have pinged it or something yeah. like that. I don't know. Yeah. Well, and this was a secluded area. Like mm-hmm. it, like we said, it's part of the Na- uh, Jefferson National Forest. So it's, it's a wooded area and it's popular for like people to come and go hiking or biking. And like we said, there are retreats held here. Mm-hmm. And it's, a, it's a pretty place from... I've never been there, but uh, I looked up the pictures of it while we were researching this. So this is basically the opposite of our last crime scene. You know, this is a busy highway where there's people going by all the time. This, on this occasion, you know, it is remote. And it is, you know, secluded where people aren't going to be passing by that often. Yeah. So that that makes you speculate, too, as to whether or not, like you said, if, if they drove up on something, if somebody was just laying in wait for the next people to show up or mm-hmm. that's what's almost more heartbreaking than anything in the case is there's so many unknowns about it and mm-hmm. the families can't really get any closure right it's just i don't know it makes it more sad in my opinion but a man walking his dog the next morning on craig creek road uh, discovered their bodies and notified authorities mm-hmm. from the beginning the police have few leads in the case they did question the residents of the craig creek road area because one theory, they believe that it was probably somebody local to the area because you would have to know the area. Because like you said, it's gravel roads going into these places and everything. So it would almost have to be somebody that knew how to get out once they had done this. Mm-hmm. So that that's a, a popular theory that it was somebody from from that area. And since this, there's been other instances of crimes happening in this area too. Yeah, so this is an area that people know it, but people are not that familiar with the ins and outs of it as far as roadways and stuff right. like that. I would have no clue. And no. I, honestly, I, I don't think I want to. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I think I'll stay away from that. Yeah. Like we said, the police... Well, that tells you something, too, though, where you said that, you know, someone the next day discovered the bodies. That tells you how few people are going by. Because this was 825 to 10 o'clock right. at night. 
in the summer. Yeah. So that tells you how few people were going by that it wasn't discovered until the next right. day. Because so. there, there are people that live on this Craig Creek Road, mm-hmm. but to get in and out of where they were at these Caldwell Fields, mm-hmm. you know, you have to walk distances or drive, you know, down these gravel roads to get to it and everything. So I tend to lean more towards that theory. Um, there is another theory which we had talked about, and we don't really see the connection on it, but uh, there were some unsolved murders back in the late 80s uh, known as the Colonial Parkway murders. Um, there's there's a theory that ties into that because it was never solved and, you know, the killer was never found or anything like that. But And it was people in their cars. People in their cars, and it was usually college-age students, mm-hmm. and it was always couples and stuff like that. But these were done on... They were in Virginia, but they were more in, like, the Newport News area and... Well, it was the Colonial Parkway. So you're looking at, you know, Williamsburg area, Newport News. It's totally different location. The... um, The MO's a little different. MO's different. I just... I don't see the connection. Well, and it it was 20 years difference. 20 years difference. But like we said, sometimes that happens. Yeah. But I still... I don't... I don't see the connection. I don't see the connection either, but that, that is one theory. The... The trail went went cold quickly. Like mm-hmm. we said, they didn't have a lot to go on. Um, anything that's been released, anyway. I hadn't heard anything about tire tracks or right. anything. And like they that. may be keeping that. And they might. Um, but it was was it in twenty twenty July of twenty twenty? Yeah they uh, they did release that they had DNA in mm-hmm. the case, and they have uh, gotten DNA samples from the residents on Craig Creek Road mm-hmm. um, that to compare them to, and I, I assume they've compared them with you know, the database and all that, that um, they still don't have any information on that. They do believe it is DNA of the, the suspect, killer. though. Yeah. I mean, they, they do think that, and that's the last, you know, thing they've really released of any new information. That was July of last year. Yeah. In August, which was the month afterwards, they um, created a new website, vspunsolved.com. And also, there's actually a $100,000 reward in this case Yeah. for any information that would lead to the uh, capture. So there is a reward offered. You know, you can go to the um, website. There's also, you can contact the um, police at 540-375-9589. So we'll give you that website again. And like I said, the tip line and the um, website will be on our on our website at onemurderatatime.com, so you'll be able to get a link to those. It also has pictures and of Heidi and uh, David. But um, that website, again, is vspunsolved.com if you have any information about David Metzler or Heidi Childs. Like we were talking earlier, it can seem insignificant. Yeah. You, know, you may think... You know, I saw this, but it's it means nothing. Mm-hmm. But you never know what can actually be the key piece of information that is needed to solve these things. And you want to help these families heal as much as possible. It's always it's heartbreaking, and especially when there's so many unknowns. Yeah, it's just it's hard enough to move forward after mm-hmm. the death, especially your child or anything like that. But but like you said, to have so many unknowns and not know who is responsible for it, that that's got to hurt, you know, a hundred times more. So if we can do anything at all to help these families, you know, get any kind of justice for their loved ones, we, we want to help. So uh, we encourage you, if you know anything, to uh, reach out to these tip lines or the websites that we did provide. So that's the Metzler Childs murders. Right. 
those are our first unsolved cases. We'll probably revisit it later. We'll do a couple more at some point, you know, just to try to, you know, keep the word out about crimes that need to be solved. Well, we want everybody to get justice. So if you have any stories or any personal stories you'd like to share that you want us to share with, you know, the listeners, any scary stories or, you know. Yeah, this is actually something we had talked about doing one time because we were talking about, you know, people who believe in the paranormal and things like that. And we were thinking about maybe doing a show where people shared their experiences. If you've ever had, you know, thought you saw a ghost or something like that or any kind of weird, you know. Weird occurrences or, you know. Come in contact with somebody strange who ended up being a serial killer. Yeah, just something weird. Yeah, just personal, anything like that. Because I think that would be a fun show. Yeah. Because I mean, I've got I've got one story I can tell, and I'll save it for the show. But we actually cliffhanger. But we actually have um, our mom has one too. Yeah, that's pretty. Like, kind of makes your hair stand up. So yeah. we'll we'll tell that one too. Maybe that, I think that that would be a fun thing to do. So yeah, but send those to us uh, at Tracy at one murder at a time dot com. That's Tracy with a Y. Yeah, or you can send them to Mandy. And that's M A N D Y at <laughs> one murder at a time dot com. But yeah, th- I think that would be fine, and I hope that people will um, send us some stuff. And you can remain anonymous; we don't have to say your name. Yeah, I mean, it's up like to that. you. If you want us to say your name, we will. If you don't, we won't. It's uh, totally up to you. But uh, <laughs> yeah, just write it, make it interesting, or just give us the story, and we'll we'll flesh it out. Well, before we go on this, I want to say. This week was hard for us because our mom lost her cat, Toby. And so we're going to dedicate this episode to Toby. Oh, little Toto. Yeah. twenty Almost 20 years old. Yeah. So, I mean, he, you know, Tracy is 40. So Toby was basically around for half of her life and almost half of mine. So, yeah. I mean, he's been around a long time. And so it was... Honestly, it- the only cat I've ever loved. <laughs> <laughs> he, he was mean but he was he was sweet too he was a, and he was he's always he was always really good with cash and um he just he was a special special so our mom's had a rough time this week and she her and my dad were involved in a um hit and run right, right before we ended up getting toby toby was a rescue who well actually mom rescued him from slaughter from our dog <laughs> but um he was a kitten, but she was suffering from um, PTSD pretty bad after that hit-and-run accident. So he kind of saved her life, you know, or her sanity at, at the least. Um, mm-hmm. Gave her something to concentrate on. And uh, animals can do a lot for the human spirit. You know, we're going to miss him, and I know mom's going to miss him. So we just want to throw that out there. Yeah, because they're family members, too. Absolutely. So... So, yeah. So, thanks for hanging with us, and uh, we hope you're enjoying the podcast. Go rate us on wherever you're listening to your podcasts, um, Spotify, Apple, uh, Pandora, iHeartRadio, wherever, um, because the ratings help us, and uh, we hope to continue doing this, and we hope to get keep getting better and better (laughs) (laughs) as we bring you so much entertainment. (laughs) No, we we do appreciate you listening. We hope you share it with all your friends. And, um, yeah, email us at Tracy, T-R-A-C-Y, at onemurderatatime.com. And I'm Mandy, M-A-N-D-Y, at onemurderatatime.com. And we'll talk to you next time. Later. Doses.